Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. Today we are on week three of our current series, Take the Lead. The title of today's message is People That Care, Carry. We hope you enjoy today's word. Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing? You doing good? All right. It is great to see you all here. I know that it was so hard to get here in the midst of all that snow. You know, some of us had to break out of our igloos to get here. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, listen, it is great to have you guys here. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here. And today it's our pleasure to serve you, to give you something to think about from the Word of God. But most importantly, not to give you our opinion, but to point you back to the truth that God's Word reveals. Amen? And so today we're digging in where we've been in the last several weeks. We started a new series into the new year called Take the Lead. Take the Lead. We've been looking at in this series is that God is always looking to lead us as people, right? Whether you're aware of it or not, God loves you. God cares for you. The Bible puts it this way, that he knows the plans he has for you, plans to, to prosper you and to give you a hope in the future, not to harm you. And so God is always trying to lead us to his best. But the truth is that while God is trying to lead us, we as people and we as the church must take the lead where he's taking us. Let me, let me put it to you this way. God cannot lead you where you and I are not willing to take initiative. God can't lead you where you're not willing to take initiative. And so he invites us to be a part of this great process. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we've been looking at this uh, verse throughout the last couple of weeks, says that for we are, read that with me, co-workers. Co-workers. Now, I know for some of us, when you think about a co-worker, you go, I don't want that kind of person with me. It's not the time or place for it. But I want you to see what God says about you and I. He says, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Now, this warrants us pausing for a moment and considering what the Scripture is saying. Notice that the Scripture says that you are God's field that you are God's building. See, there's something that God wants to grow in you and I. There's something that God wants to erect, to build up, to establish in you and I. But watch how that process unfolds with co-workers. And when you start talking about co-workers, I want you to set aside your personal experience with co-workers. And I want you to see that what God is saying is, look, not only do I want you to work with me, but I want to work with you. I want to build something in your life. I want to grow something through your life. I want to bless people through your life. I want to do some great things. This gospel does not work independent of people. God wants to do something through you and I. And so one of the primary ways that God leads us is by placing us in relationship with what he calls the church. Now, the church is not a building, nor is it a denomination, and it's clearly not based on a location. The church can simply be defined this way. It's people. It's people. People with imperfections, people facing life's challenges, people in process of growth, and people who are looking to God. Right now, whether you know Jesus or not, here's what I want you to know, that if you're a person, somebody say, I qualify. qualify. We all qualify. God has good things for all of us. 
And so you belong in what's known as the church. You can be a part of what God wants to build in you and through you. You can be a part of bringing life change and hope into the lives of others. You can be a part of God's greater work. See, as his people, we are collectively called to do the work that advances God's greater purposes among us. Here at Church of the Bridge, here's what we believe. We're called to impact the city. We believe that we're called to bring hope to those who feel hopeless. We believe that we're called to bring life change. We believe that we're called to introduce people to the hope that is Jesus Christ. But that doesn't happen without people. And so to do so, we must follow the lead of God by becoming a people that take the lead into into what God wants to do here. Through us. In week one of this series, we learned that if you're going to go where God is taking you, if you're going to take the lead and lead into where God wants to show himself big and do something great, it doesn't happen without commitment. It takes commitment. I know commitment is a dirty word. It's profanity in this day and age. (laughs) Commitment? What are you talking about commitment? I've got too many commitments to make a commitment. But the truth is that without making a commitment to become a part of the work that God is doing through his church, we can't impact change. We might impact certain things, but God works through his people. And as we learned, we cannot grow. I want to encourage you to go and use the app. Go to our website. Go to Facebook. Use all the resources. Catch up on this series. See what we're talking about. You'll see that we're not giving you our opinion here, but what we're looking at is the word of God. Last week, we learned about a necessary connection. We, the church, cannot cannot advance God's kingdom without developing a connection to one another. This kingdom does not work without people in relationship with each other. And so this week, we're going to pick up where we left off on the topic of people that care, carry. Say that with me. People that care, carry. Now, one of the major characteristics of the early church was that it was made up of people that loved God and had a willingness not just to care for themselves personally, but also to care for people, to invest themselves in people, to steward what God wanted to do in the lives of people. And these people, the early church, demonstrated their love for God But watch how, by sacrificially caring and carrying one another. And so I want you to see uh, an example of that in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Starting at verse 42, it says that they, the early church, the disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now watch this. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So watch this. Great miracles, great power, great demonstration begins to happen amongst them. But watch what was happening prior to that. People were in relationship with people. And watch 
what that relationship looked like. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Think of it this way. When your kids start taking care of things, you know, you know Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> Something is amiss. Something's happening. A miracle. Great power and demonstration of this gospel. No, let me, let me, let me rein that in. Listen, when your kids start taking baths and brushing their teeth without you reminding them, yeah, something's happening. When you see them take care of the dog, right, or polish up their bike, right, make sure everything's in order, they place it where it belongs, something's happening, and then the pinnacle happens. The panacea of all responsibilities. They clean and maintain their room. Right? Listen, as they grow in responsibility, they stop treating things carelessly. And listen closely, they start carrying their own load. See, here's what's happening in that example. They become aware of value and handle things in gr with greater care because they've accepted the responsibility of bearing their own, what's theirs. You know, the same is true about God's people. We demonstrate that we care when we bear what is ours. Let me be very clear what I'm referring to. We demonstrate that we care when we bear what's ours. What's ours. Listen, without us, there is no gospel that goes forth. Listen closely to what I'm saying here. Don't miss the point of what I'm saying here. Don't miss the point of what I'm saying here. Without the body of Christ caring and carrying each other, how could we credibly convey the love of God if we can't love ourselves? If we can't care for one another. See, care is a necessary quality for those in relationship with God. It's what gives them the ability to carry out the mission and the work of the church. If you don't really care, somebody say with me, I love, I love Pastor, Jose. Pastor Jose. Remember you said it. Because I'm about to share something with you that will ruffle your feathers. See, if you don't really care, you won't be a strong and useful partner with God. doesn't mean that you're not a partner. It just means that in this co-working, co-laboring, co-operating, co-existing, there's not much that you're putting on your part. The early church was made up of people with real problems, like you and me. They lived life on the run due to persecution back in those days. These people hid in homes, and yet... They saw the necessity to be together instead of hiding in a cave or in a hole somewhere by themselves. 
There were many divisions among them. They had real physical needs. And their faith in God was challenged daily. And yet, in spite of all this, these people dedicated themselves to God by devoting themselves to one another. See, these people didn't simply go to church. They cared and carried the church. They cared and carried one another. I don't know about you, but whether you believe in God or you don't, every one of us wants that. Every one of us wants that. And what I want you to see is that God, the master designer, the one with the blueprint, says, I have it for you. It's called the church. I didn't say it's called church at the bridge. I didn't say it's only at 90 Broadway. Please, we are not so high and spiritually mighty that we're no earthly good here. We understand how this kingdom works. And so we promote and we encourage and we provide tools for the body to build the body, for people to care for people, for us to carry one another. See, that's what a genuine Christian looks like. Listen to Paul's words concerning this point in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. He says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. What was it that distinguished Timothy amongst so many people in the early church? What was it that the Holy Spirit saw fit to take note of this young man, Timothy, and testify to the difference that was happening in the kingdom through him? What was it? Paul speaks of his genuine concern for the people, those that made up the church. Listen closely to what that looks like in verse 21. It says, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy preferred the people in the body more than himself. It's a high call, by the way. You know why I say it's a high call? Because not, any, not, not many of us, if we're really truthful with ourselves, are solely concerned upon the welfare of another within the church, <laughs> within the body. And yet there are real needs here amongst us. There are different trajectories that we're all on. We're all at different stages and ages and levels of experience in this, in this walk with God. For some of us, you came in here, and man, everything is just hard. For some of us, it's like, man, I believe, but, you know, I'm not seeing this work in certain areas. For some of us, we're flying high, but listen, in the midst of all that, God designed us in such a way that we all belong to one another, and we're supposed to care and carry one another so that we can realize the power of this kingdom, not just among us, but credibly in a world that needs to know that God is real. See, it's not enough to be connected. 
talking about heart here. We need to develop a heart that really cares. This is a good question for self-reflection. Do you care about someone else in here? Now, I know, I know, I know for some of us, you know, you, you could think of someone that you talk to. Someone that you've met. Someone that you've hung out with. Listen, the Bible says that when Jesus came to this world, he gave his life for people that didn't even want him. When these guys are stabbing him in his back, they're about to stab him in his back. Talk about the disciples, by the way. And one of them is like, man, I'm going to get paid tonight. I'm turning you in. And another one's going, I would never turn my back on you. I'm with you all the way, Jesus. He knew where they were. And he knew what would happen. And yet, the Bible says that he chose to show the full measure of his love. He took the role of a slave. And he washed their feet. That's care. That's care. See, care or the lack of it says a lot about you and I. Care shows how much you and I value and appreciate something or someone. Care reveals that we understand worth. Care demonstrates how you think and feel about something or someone in the eyes of God. See, care is not, is not only what you actively do. It's also purposely what you refuse to do. Let me say that again. Care is not only what you actively do. It's also purposely what you refuse to do. I'll tell you what I mean. When you care, you don't ignore or neglect when you care, you don't damage or destroy. When you care, you don't harm or hinder. When you care, you don't disrespect or diminish. When you care, you don't dishonor or disgrace. And when you care, you don't disconnect from the local church. See, it's not just about your care for God. It's about God's care for you through people. And so Jesus had a lot to say about the importance of caring for the things we're given, the opportunities we're provided, and the responsibilities we're assigned. And in one particular portion of scripture, he's in context, he's speaking about money is what he's talking about. And don't worry, we're not going to be talking about money and we're not taking another offering. All right. But there's a valuable principle in what he's saying here in Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 12. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? I want you to see something here. Jesus is saying in context concerning the kingdom, if you'll take care of the kingdom of God, 
He'll take care of your castle. There's a valuable principle here that we can't afford to miss. Jesus is saying if you won't take the little things seriously, you can't be trusted with larger things. He wants us to learn the principle of caring for, of, for what we're given. And when we do, we demonstrate that we're ready. There's more capacity. There's more ability. There's more room for more responsibility for greater things. Many people trip over this principle. They miss the bigger picture here. They fail to be faithful in little things and miss bigger things. You know, I was thinking about this over this weekend and I was just kind of meditating on how this is all unraveled in a good way at Church at the Bridge. And, and when I think about a great move of God, you know, you, you think about, oh, all oh, these high and mighty spiritual things. Oh, Father, send your rain down, Lord. Do mighty things among us. Oh, bring change, Lord. Oh, heal us. And that's awesome. And it, it's, it's completely appropriate. But when I think about how that happens, you know what I realize? I think about the person who shows up here at 6.37 in the morning on a Sunday and says, let me make sure some coffee's ready. I know, that's, that's not a big deal. This is to what Jesus said. What you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. Amen. We open our doors and we reach outside our doors to multiple people, Amen. multiple needs. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, we don't operate respective of what you look like, where you come from, what you need, what you're struggling with. The kingdom of God is for all. It's for all. It's for you. It's for me. It's for that person who's got it all together and, and is in business. It's for the person who's homeless. It's for the guy who just got out of prison. It's for the person who's struggling with addiction. It's for the person who's insecure. It's for the person who looks good but feels bad from within. It's for the person who's struggling and lacking. It's for the person who feels helpless and it's for the person who feels hopeless. There's room in the kingdom for all. But I think about the people that serve in the unseen. Let me tell you, man, you got to be faithful to wipe somebody's, you know, change some diapers here. I'm not there. I have not arrived. I can assure you of that. God bless them. I love them. Somebody help me. But listen, when, when I see people doing those simple things, Man, when I see somebody who's like, first service is over, and you know, these chairs, they start aligning chairs. It's not because it's some super spiritual move of God. It's because you matter and because I want you to feel like you are the most important thing when you come here because the Bible says that you are the apple of his eye. When I see the person who says, I'll sign up and I'll go to a place where there's a bunch of people in transition from incarceration... And, I, and I'll help there, and I'll serve, and I'll, I'll, I'll make some food for that. Yeah. I'll go and, and help put this event together for kids because they don't feel safe in this community, and, and we'll provide a safe space for them, and we'll do whatever we have to do, and we'll expend whatever cost it is to reach them, to love them, and to introduce them to a credible love of God. Yeah. 
When I see people that say, I'll wash that, I'll fix that, I'll do that, those are people destined for bigger things. All for the love and the care of someone else. Come on, you can give it up for the kingdom of God in that regard. See, care within the church is an important thing with Jesus. Listen, why? Because it's important for people's lives. For people's lives. And so in the Bible, there's an example that teaches us about this principle, caring and carrying one another. We're going to turn to the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And starting at verse 1, it says that a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. And some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to this paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This particular encounter that Jesus has with these men, and specifically with this man who had a need, starts off with a very interesting point that we should know. Notice that the scripture says that Jesus returned once again to Capernaum, to his home. The scriptures teach us that this is where Jesus lived. And specifically what the scripture is saying is Jesus had a gathering inside his household. So he's among his people, he's among the familiar, he's among those closest to him. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of people begin to come to his home. Luke chapter 5 verse 17 gives us further insight through the eyes of uh, Luke, the physician, and it says in verse 17 that one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. I want you to see that Jesus had a motive. Jesus had an intention. There was something specific that he wanted to do. He wanted to affect. He wanted to impact. He wanted to release healing into the lives of these people. And as we look at these scriptures, here's what we see. Everyone was missing it. Oh man, there's a revival service. Let's go over to Capernaum. That preacher Jesus is going to be there. He's my favorite. And the, 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 the scriptures say that the, the people are mass. 
They start coming from Galilee and from Judea and from Jerusalem and all these places and the people in the city and they storm this home and, and it's so packed that there's an overflow. They're all outside and there's people in there. It's standing room only. Everybody's sweating, but everybody's intent upon what Jesus is teaching. People are outdoors and I imagine that they're going, shh, callate. I'm trying to hear what he's saying. And so here they are, and everybody's trying to hear Jesus. And in the midst of this, all these people are rushing to get to where Jesus is. And there are four guys that are just like them. Everybody wants to get to Jesus. Guess what was happening here? It was a church service. Everybody wanted to get to church. And there are four guys who are just like everyone else on their way there. But that's the only similarity they had with everyone else. Because these four guys stopped on the way there. Scriptures say that they come across a man who's crippled. And while we don't have details of the conversation, here's what we know. We know their heart. Scriptures say that they pick him up and they say, let's take you to encounter your healing. Let's get you there. The first point that I want to leave you with as we're wrapping up here is this, that you can't be in search of Jesus and miss his people along the way. You can't be in search of Jesus and miss his people along the way. You can't be here and just go, hey, bless you, brother. Love you, sister. Jesus loves you. I'll pray for you. Got you. That's not how the kingdom works. These guys had to invest their time, their strength, and they risked potentially missing Jesus just to try and get this guy there. See, it was because these guys cared enough to carry him. I have a question for you. Do you care enough about someone here that you might not know that you'd be willing to stop while on this journey of pursuit of relationship with God not stop your relationship with God, but stop and invest yourself and care for someone to the extent that you help carry them to know the healing that you've received so that they can receive theirs. And I want to encourage you before you say yes to consider, have you already been doing that? Have you been doing that? Listen to the words of Jesus in John 13, 34, and 35. He says, a new command I give you. So this is Jesus employing his exit strategy. He's about to be crucified. He's taught everything he was going to teach these guys. 
He's poured his life into them, and the scriptures reveal that these guys are very sorrowful. They don't understand what's going on. But in the midst of this, Jesus says, a new command I give you. In other words, there's a bunch of stuff you've experienced. There's a bunch of stuff you see, but here's where you need to focus. This is the new thing I'm doing. This is what I want you to focus on. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Watch this. Watch why this is so important. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. At the basic core and foundation of our faith and our call to reach people with the gospel is the command to love one another first. You know, I'm reminded of uh, any football fans? Some football fans? Okay, I got about three Christians in here. We're praying for you. You're here for a reason. You need deliverance. Let me stop. There was this coach back in the 60s and, you know, 50s, 60s, a guy named Vince Lombardi. One of the greatest NFL coaches to ever coach the game. And this guy in summer, July of 1961, as training camp is about to start to prepare for the new season ahead, his team arrives, the Green Bay Packers, and these guys are so eager and so willing to do anything and everything to win. You see... They were sore, and the, 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 the reality of such a bitter loss to the Philadelphia Eagles of all teams. Philly! Jeez! Do they even have Christians there? No, let me stop. The Green Bay Packers had just lost the previous season, the Super Bowl, to the Philadelphia Eagles, and they came, and these guys were like chomping at the bit. We can't lose. We came so close. And so these guys are professionals. These guys know the art, the game of football. They understand schemes and passing patterns and all these things. And they understand the importance of team. And Vince Lombardi starts off the season in training camp, the very first day of training camp. He gathers them together and he takes a football and he says, gentlemen, this is a football. This is lesson one. Let me tell you why I share that with you. Because if we're to truly live as disciples of Jesus Christ and accomplish the mission of going to the far ends of the world and reaching people with the life-giving message of the gospel and seeing change, we have to begin with the most basic, fundamental, and of most importance the number one thing necessary for this to all work. We have to learn and be willing to love and to care and carry each other. How can I care and carry for people that I don't even know? I can't relate to what they're going through. I don't even know where you're from. We don't even... Look like we can jive together. 
right? There's no vibe there. I'm not, I'm not feeling you. Right? That's where you are. Oh, well, I'm, I'm too shy. You know, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm a little socially awkward. You know, I just, I don't gravitate to people. But once you get to know me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. That's where you are. Listen closely. You're in the room with Jesus. You're probably inside instead of outside. You're hearing the message. But you're missing how God's power is released. See, it's as you commit to care and carry people that the kingdom will work in your life. The Bible says that when these guys get to Jesus' home, the place is packed, right? And there's no way to get to this guy, Jesus. There's no way to get in there. Standing room only. We should have told you we should have came up. Told you we should have picked him up. We could have had a seat. Not these guys. While everybody outside and inside has relegated themselves to trying to hear what Jesus is saying and catching a glimpse of him. These guys did the unthinkable. They said, we have to stop and pick this guy up. We got to get him to Jesus. And I imagine that they pushed past the crowds. And they go, there's no way, there's no way in. And then one of them goes, dude, the roof. No, man, we can't do that. Bro, that's. That's trespassing. That's destruction of private property. What are people going to think when they see us climbing up the side? The Bible says that these guys push past the crowd. They go up the side of this house. They hoist this guy up. I love the way the Message Bible puts it. I believe it's the Message Bible. It says that they rip the roof off. I want you to envision this. You're in church. You're here right now, and all of a sudden you begin to hear. You start seeing sparks flying down, and you go, how could someone do that here? That's kind of what was happening there. The cost that they would incur upon destroying Jesus' roof was of no concern to them. The weight that they would have to bear in trying to carry this guy, hoist him up onto the roof, and then carefully hoist him down, because they didn't drop him. It says they lowered him down. None of that was a concern to them. They had to get him to Jesus, which leads me to our next point as we wrap up here. You and I have to leave no room for excuses if we're going to care and carry the way we're called to. 
My mom shy, I'm this, I'm that. Look, think about this. These guys could have legitimately, after carrying this, stopping, right, and then figuring out how they're going to carry him and then hoisting him over there and then getting to the crowds and seeing all this stuff, and there's no way to get him in. They could have legitimately said, well, at least we tried. I mean, you know, we did everything we could. Instead, these guys decided there is no way, so we're going to have to make a way. We're going to have to clear some people. We're going to have to bump across some objects along the way. We're going to have to do whatever we have to do to get this guy to his place of healing. It takes that kind of attitude and determination in the church to care and carry for people in the kingdom of God, but also to care and carry them into the kingdom of God. I remember reading a book many years ago. Don't ask me the title. I couldn't tell you right now. I, I think in pictures. So I remember what I grasped when I read this many years ago. The principle was that we should follow the example of rats. What rats do? A rat will find at all costs, it will seek an escape route if you try and corner it. It won't fight you. It'll run away. It'll try to find a way to get out. How do I get out of here? How do I avoid this? But eventually, if you corner a rat and it has nowhere to go, there's no excuse. There's no way out. That rat will stand on his hind legs and go. <laughs> or whatever it is that rats do. Squeak, hiss, whatever. My point is simply this. That you and I have to identify and eliminate the excuses that we make for caring and carrying one another. It don't work. It's not the kingdom way. See, if we could just be like these guys where we believe so much in the power of Jesus to heal that we tell people about where they can go and get it and then we do everything to bring them to their healing, I believe we would see more people healed. I believe we'd see more lives transformed. I believe we'd see households restored. I believe that we'd see strong marriages. I believe that we'd see people that are confident, not just in God's ability, but in what God has given them the ability to do. And so as we close here today, I leave you with one last point. That Christians that care and carry, they bring the hurting to Jesus. You know, the way things are going now, I, I started this ministry and, and one, you know, I had, I had this desire and I still hold that desire true to my, to my heart. I, I firmly believe that a shepherd smells like sheep. And so I've always had this goal that I want to know every single person's name. You know what the beauty of it is? 
I'm not perfect. So I'm still in process. And sometimes I got to go, remind me of your name again. Tell me something about yourself so that I can associate that and keep that in mind. So that I can remember that. I'm trying, ladies and gentlemen. Don't hold it against me. But the reason why I share that is because everything that God has done here in the last six years and what he's unveiling in this new stage that we're launching into and as God continues to do great things among us is, was born out of a heart that says, God, we just want to love you and we also want to love people. We just want to do what your word says. We don't want to complicate it. And in that process, you know, you know what the church is? The church is not made up of people that have it all together. But we all have the opportunity to encounter something and, 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 and grow into a power that is resident in that work in the lives of people as they discover God in them. Jesus. But we all come with our own deficiencies. We all come with our own misunderstandings. We all come with our own hurts. We all come with our own experiences. And in the midst of that, sometimes we're so focused on what we want to get from God that we miss the person right next to us and miss the opportunity to do what the word says. Go disciple somebody. Go invest yourself into somebody. Go walk with someone. Don't get in their shoes. Stay in yours. But walk with them. And build each other and encourage each other. And strengthen each other. You know, these four guys, they see this man, they get up. They see, man, we've we, we got to get this guy there. And they, they, they lower him down to Jesus. And what we see is that the rest of the people that were there and seeking Jesus were more concerned with his faults than his needs. They lower him down. He's before Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus sees the faith of these men. He's not concerned with the roof. He's not concerned with the broken tile. He's not concerned with everybody else indignant, responsible. <gasps> Look what they did to the church. Look what they did to Jesus' house. How disrespectful. They interrupted his message. He's not concerned with any of that. The Bible says that he sees their faith. And as they lower this man before him, the Bible tells us that Jesus says to this man, Son, your sins are forgiven. See, he was after what was wrong in his heart before what was wrong with his legs. And the Bible says that as Jesus says that, that these, all these church people, these Pharisees, the crowd, they begin to say amongst themselves, think to themselves, who, who, who does this guy think he is? That's blasphemy. That's wrong. You can't do that. You're acting as if you're God. You're acting as if God can use you. The Bible says that Jesus knew their thoughts. And he says, who's to say 
that I can't forgive sins. He says, but to show you that I can forgive sins, he says to the guy, hey, get up and walk. Get up and walk. Listen, this guy received a great miracle that day, but watch where the real miracle was. Somebody that believed they needed to be there in the presence of Jesus stopped and said, you're just as important. And while I know where to go get my healing, I know where you can get yours. So let me help you get there. Let me help you walk this walk. And if you can't walk, then let me help restore you so that you can walk. That you can go to new places. If we could just be like these guys today where we believe like they did, there'd be change. I'm reminded as I close here of Jesus' word and Jesus' words in Luke 14. He shares a parable, just something, a tool to illustrate how the kingdom works. And the Bible says that in this parable that a master says to his servant, listen, go out. I'm going to have a great banquet. I want all my people to come. I want everybody to come. So go, go, go invite them. The Bible says that the servant goes out and he says, hey, you're invited to my master's house. There's going to be a great banquet. There's going to be some platanos. There's going to be some pernil. And listen, we, we, we got all types of flavors. There's going to be some chicken wings, right? And we're going to have some udon noodles. And you know, I know you eat keto, so don't worry about it. There's a section where there'll be no bread, right? And listen, there's even going to be some southern food. We're going to have some, you know, some, 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 some smoked ham hocks, right? And some, some collard greens, right? We're going to have some cornbread, right? We're going to have some arroz con gandules, right? We're gonna, all that's going to be there. And the Bible says that people start to say, no, no, I, I got some other stuff I got to do, you know, I'm, Really sorry. You know, just, just let them know that, give me a rain check. I'll come the next time. I got, a, I got a little too much going on. Luke 14, 21 says that the servant came back and reported to his master. And then the owner of the house, that's God, by the way, that it's alluding to, became very angry and he ordered his servant. He said, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. Watch this. But there's still room. And the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Listen, God is looking for a people that will take this kingdom so seriously that they are compelled, they are driven, they, 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 they're wired in such a way that it's like, I, I, listen, I can't just get to church, I have to go and reach people, I have to go and follow up on that person that I haven't seen in two, three weeks, I gotta find out where you're at, and listen, if you're down, then look, I'm up, let's get up together, and if you're struggling, and I'm struggling, then let's go ahead and find some help and work this out together and walk this out together. The king in the kingdom calls a people 
to be concerned with the interests of Jesus Christ, not their self-interest. You know, to care and carry someone means this. This is how we live. I've got my job. I've got my phone. got my friends. I've got my responsibilities. I've got what I want to do. I've got my hobbies. I've got my interests. got my money. got my world and my life. I got all these things, right? But in the kingdom, Without you, I got nothing. Without us, we are nothing. Without people that care and carry each other. See, to do that, you got you to gotta drop some things. And you got to say, you matter more to me and I matter more to you and we matter more to each other because without us, this kingdom is powerless. Yes, there's a God who's all-powerful, but he calls us to co-labor with him. And if we don't cooperate, then guess what? This gospel goes nowhere. Today, as we stand and we close, I want you to consider the magnitude of what we're hearing. By looking amongst you and seeing what God is talking about. Go ahead, look around. Don't be shy. Don't worry about somebody looking you in the eye. Don't worry about somebody smiling at you or mean mugging you. Here's the only concern we should have. I love God so much that I'm willing to love you, to care for you, and to carry you. And I know you got me. That's the way the kingdom works. Heavenly Father, today we come to you in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Lord, we're here with hearts open. And we receive the truth in your word, Lord. We all need something, someone. We all need support and strength, but we all need a means to be able to get back up. But Lord, the way you designed it is through people. And specifically, Lord, right here, right now, it's through us. And so, Lord, today, right here, if you believe that, just say, God, yes. Yes, me. I'll care. I'll carry. I'll shoulder a burden. I'll 
pick someone up. I'll walk the distance. And after I'm done walking mile, if I got to go a second mile, I'll go two miles. And if it takes three miles, I'll go three miles. And if it means I get a little tired, guess what? I'll get somebody else and we'll do this together. But as long as we get one another to that place of Ely, to that place of transformation, to that place where a touch of God and the power of God is manifested, and I'll continue to carry, and I'll continue to care. It's very possible that there's someone here today, and you're hearing this message, and you're saying, man, I can identify with that. I need that in my life. And if you've heard this message, or if you're hearing it after the fact, and here's what you also have to acknowledge in knowing that, that God doesn't want you to be alone. And that God has provided the very thing that you've been seeking. It's his church. It's his people. People that carry the treasure that is Jesus, the hope of the world. And right now, you're probably thinking and saying, man, well, that's what I want. Well, good. You're about to make the best decision of your life. You're about to answer the call of Jesus where he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Take my burden, take my yoke, stop carrying that. Take what I've got to give you because it's light and it's easy. It's hope and it provides you a future. It's healing and strength. It's wisdom and direction. I've got everything you need. If you believe that today, then here's what you've got to acknowledge. That each and every one of us needs a savior. Each and every one of us falls short. But God is so good that because he recognizes that we all fall short, he's provided a means. He said, I'll come in a form of a man and be just like them and live amongst them, but I will die the death of a sinner and pay the price for it because they can't. But in me doing so, they'll be free of the weight of it. And so today, if you believe that in your heart and you say, I need you, Jesus, and I recognize what you did for me. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with us. Say this with us with heartfelt conviction. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you love me and that you proved it by dying for me, paying the price for sin, and raising up again so that I can rise this day. Today I declare... You're my Lord, you're my Savior, you're my God, and from this day forward, I'm trusting in you, I'm seeking you, and I'm looking forward to your very best for my life. Come on now, if you prayed that for the very first time, we're celebrating what God has done in your life. Don't leave here without telling someone, we want to walk in this journey with you. Now, Father, we thank you for Jesus and the truth of your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Hey, friends and family. Thanks again so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that God spoke to you directly through this message. And if he did, we want to know. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can even give us a call at the office to let us know how God spoke to you. Don't forget to also share this message with a friend, a co-worker, Share it on your social media stories. You never know who in your life may be blessed by this word. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast, and we'll see you next week.